Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. I'm not used to how you do things in this place and in this time. It's very different than where I was. I was like one of your poets said. I, I was born a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I come from a place that you may have heard of, a place called Alexandria. It's in Egypt, and I was born there almost 2,000 years ago, and I think I look pretty good for my age. Okay. When I was born, I was a Jew in the city of Alexandria. And when I was born there, it was a place where I grew up in a culture that was a lot of different cultures all in one place. I was a Jew, but many of my neighbors were not. Many of my neighbors were from all over the place. Some of them sure were born there in Egypt, but many of them had come from different corners of the empire from all the way from Rome, people that would come and administer the city, or from other places. It was something like one of your college towns, you know, the big cities that you have, like Fayetteville and Circe, right? Alexandria was something like this, a place where people would come to experience our great learning. There was much to learn in the city of Alexandria, and so we Jews learned to be there in the marketplace of ideas, the place where all of the countries of the world would come to learn and study and debate in our city, to come and learn from the books, but also the teachers of the place that were there in my community. I grew up like many of my brothers and sisters with Judaism all around the Mediterranean world. All over the empire, there were communities like this, where people had to learn what it meant to live as Jews, but also in community with our Gentile neighbors, and to learn to speak to them about what the God of Israel was doing in the world, and how different the God of Israel was than the gods of all of the other communities and worlds. It was a place where I learned to talk and to speak with the language of the Roman Empire, it was a place of great rhetoric. You know, people would come. It was some of the best speakers in the whole empire would come and make their way to Alexandria. They would come to learn the skills and the art of rhetoric better so that they could communicate. And we Jews, we listened. And we learned from their rhetoric. We learned from their ways of speaking. We learned from the way that they made their ideas known to their neighbors. And we learned to make our ideas known too. This was what it was like to be a Jew in Alexandria, to learn to speak and to talk and to be uh, among the educated of the empire, but also learn how to communicate with those who were very, very different. And to remember that we weren't like the rest of the empire. We were ourselves very, very different. We learned the scriptures too, you see not just the books of the rhetoricians and the philosophers, but we learned the books of Israel, the scrolls. And so I went to synagogue with my brothers and sisters every week, and we learned what the Most High God had been doing in all of time 
from the time of the creation until the time that was then. We learned not just the things that had taken place up until our time, but we learned of the things that were still to come. Because we learned that we still lived in a world in which the God of our father Abraham still desired to bless the nations. And we lived in a time where the God of Abraham was going to send his servant and his prophets into the world. It had been a long time since we had seen a true prophet. But we looked for one once when I was on a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem with my family. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor about a prophet. And I went out into the wilderness to see for myself. I want to tell you that what I saw in the wilderness was very different than what I had seen in the halls of Alexandria. It was very different than the polished rhetoricians of the Romans. I went out into the wilderness and I saw a wild man. He was dressed in the craziest clothes. He was dressed in something that made him look like he had just been living in the desert for years, and maybe he had. I looked one day at his plate. Locusts! He was sitting there, and he was eating, and, and he would tell people, no matter what they came or what they thought they, would, they were there to hear, he would always tell people the truth. Some of the people would come, and, and they would come, and they would say, hey, what? What about us? What, what should we do in order to join this, this movement of yours? And he would, he would tell those that were rich that they should take away their things that they belonged, that they, their possessions, and just give them to the poor. That they should take, if they had, if they had two cloaks, they should, they should take one of them and give it to someone who had none. And he would, he would tell people that were, were tax collectors that they should be generous and not cheat people. Now, let me tell you, that got a big laugh from everybody else in the community. There were even soldiers that would come, and they would say, what is it that we should do? And he would say, make sure you don't use your power to oppress other people. Make sure that you treat people well. But he wasn't scared of anybody, you see. And... Just in case you think he was just talking to people who were, who were already knowing that they were messed up, he, he also talked to everybody that, that thought they had everything in line. The, our, our, our friends, the Pharisees, would come and they would say, what is it that we should do? We, are, we ourselves are children of Abraham. And he would say to them, you're nothing but a bunch of snakes. You're nothing but a bunch of vipers. And he would tell them, you know, God could take these stones all around me and make children of Abraham if he wanted to. Repent. Change. Become different. It was different. It was different than anything I had ever heard. I thought I had heard everything about the God of Israel. I'd been to synagogue all my life. What I heard in the wilderness was different, I'm telling you. I'm telling you it was different. One day, the prophet took the crowd 
down to the Jordan. We all knew this was a significant spot. It was where our people had made their journey complete in leaving all the, the wilderness that they had wandered in for many, many years. And they left that wilderness behind and they came into the promised land. And we knew that something was up. He took us one by one. He looked each of us in the eyes and he said, Are you willing? Are you willing to completely change and give your heart fully to the God of our fathers? Are you willing to stop all the things that you've been doing to sin against the Lord God? Maybe everybody else choked up just as much as I did when he asked such a serious question. He said, that you are baptized. You are baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. Repent. I learned a lot from John in the wilderness, you know? And for many, many years, I went around teaching other people what I had heard from John, that God was again alive in the world in a way that was changing everything, that the God who had spoken to Father Abraham and his son Isaac and, and Jacob, that that same God was again working to create something new and different in the world. That what John was saying and the way that John stood up against the powers of the world, the way he stood up against the kings, and the way he stood up against those who thought that they had control over the world. So inspired by this, that I began to travel around and speak to other people about what John was saying. And if I saw people that were tax collectors, or I saw people that were rich, or if I saw people that were Pharisees, or if I saw people that were soldiers, I would tell them what I heard John tell. And I would tell them that they need to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand. One day, I heard another rumor. A rumor of another prophet. prophet named Yeshua. You would say, Jesus, I, I heard of this Jesus and I, I heard that he was speaking a message too. I found some other followers of John and I asked them what it was that they thought about this. And they said, John is trying to figure it out too. But over time we learned that John had said that this Jesus was the Messiah that was to come. We learned that this Jesus was the one in whom God was bringing his kingdom to fruition. I had to find out everything that I could. I'm telling you, I found out everything that I could. I learned from people who had been his followers and I, I found the rumors and I, I heard every scrap of thing that I could hear about this Jesus. 
And many of the things that he said were so like the things that I had heard from John, but there were other things too. It taught people to be a little bit more forgiving than John ever said. He talked about what it meant to live free of judgment of others and to live free of, of vengeance and violence. He told people to turn their other cheek if somebody strikes them. If John ever turned the other cheek, it was just to have something else to say. Jesus was different. He was different than John. The more I learned, the more I became aware that this Jesus was indeed the Messiah of God. And all of the things that I had learned back in the time I was in Alexandria, all the things I learned to expect about the Messiah, they were there. Some of them were different than I expected, but they were there. Jesus was in the songs that we had sung. Songs about how God would come to rule, that he would send a, 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 a king who would hold a scepter that would rule the world in righteousness and justice. Jesus was there in the songs that talked about what it meant to suffer. Placed one's trust in dependence God the Father alone. Jesus was there in songs that talked about being delivered. Jesus was there. Jesus was there in the songs that talked about how God spoke. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my feet until I make all of your enemies a footstool. I thought this Jesus, they say he now sits at the right hand of God, awaiting while God does his work, bringing everyone under his feet. Jesus was in all the songs, all of the old songs of my youth found, I saw Jesus in every line. I saw Jesus in the other scrolls too, in the scrolls about the prophets, the prophets who told stories about what it would mean when God would come and, and give us a new heart, writing the old covenant, right? writing a new covenant on our very heart instead of on tablets of stone. He was in the prophets when they talked about what it meant for Israel to be raised from the dead like a valley of dry bones. Jesus was in the prophets when they talked about what it meant for the servant of God to undergo unspeakable suffering and yet to be vindicated as God's righteous servant. Jesus was in every line of the prophets. He, he was in every one of the old stories too, somewhere lurking in the back of the story. For instance, in the stories of our, our King David, Jesus was there in the story, not just a king of God's heart, but a king with God's very heart. He was there in the stories of what it meant to be delivered, like in the time of the sea, when the people or people passed through the sea, fleeing slavery in Egypt, and God 
delivered them and raised them up out of the sea. Jesus was in that story. Jesus was in the story of our father Abraham. In all the stories like the way that Abraham had to wait for his son of promise. Jesus was a son of promise like we never expected or could have hoped for. Jesus was in the stories like when God spoke to our father Abraham and said, through you I will bless all the nations. Jesus was in all of the stories from the stories of Noah and the deliverance in the time of the flood and the time of that great judgment, to the stories of Brother Abel, whose voice cried out from the blood-soaked earth, asking for vindication and justice. And now Jesus' blood Jesus' blood that had been poured out in injustice cried out even louder, cried out for an even greater vindication. And in all of these stories, these stories of hope and of suffering, in all the stories of death and of rebirth, the greatest story of all of Jesus who was crucified and raised from the dead, that story was written in the background of every page. It was just waiting for us, waiting for us to see it and to discover it. When I heard about this Jesus, I traveled the world trying to find anyone who would tell me, and I used every inch of rhetoric that I could remember from Alexandria, and I used it to speak to people about how Jesus was indeed the Messiah. I would tell them when I went to Ephesus. I would tell them when I went to Corinth. I would tell them when I went to Crete. I would tell them wherever I could find an ear. I would use every ounce of energy and enthusiasm and cleverness and rhetoric and whatever it took, and I would tell them about Jesus. And I love to teach people. I love to tell them the truth about the world in Messiah Jesus. One day, I was teaching, and I, I'm a little embarrassed to tell this story, but you already know it from Brother Luke. I was teaching, and I was telling the people about the way of Jesus as best I could. And I thought I was doing a good job. After I got done and the people of the synagogue went home, there was a woman waiting for me. Her name was Priscilla, and she was so kind. She was standing there with her husband, Aquila, and he, he, uh, he, 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 the two of them, they said, Brother Apollos, we too are followers of Messiah Jesus. We appreciate what you've had to say. But 
when you tell the people about baptism. All you tell them is that they should be baptized for repentance. All that you tell them is that they should be baptized so that they can be forgiven. All that you tell them is that they should be baptized like John taught you. in preparation for the kingdom of God that was coming in the name of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The brother Apollos, the kingdom is not just coming. The kingdom has come. And now in Jesus, the people of the way, we baptize new believers in the name of the Father, but not just Father Abraham, but in the Father God. And we baptize believers in the name of his Son, Jesus, in whom we have forgiveness, just as you said. And we also baptize believers in the name of the Holy Spirit. For surely you must understand that in these days of Jesus, our baptism is a moment where we meet the fullness of God who is the Father and the Son and the Spirit. That we receive forgiveness, but also a promise and a gift from the Holy Spirit of God. I had to admit, this was news. You know, after you follow the Messiah for a while, it's easy to begin thinking that you know what you're talking about. It was hard for me. I think it's always hard for all of us to admit that I still had something yet to learn. It is hard for a teacher to be taught. But I knew the truth of what Priscilla and Aquila were telling me. I knew. I knew in my heart that I had to choose. I could either pretend like I knew everything, or I could admit that I still had much to learn. And so I had to embrace this new teaching. I had to open up my heart to say, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I must always be ready to take a new and a different step. From my journey from Alexandria to Ephesus, maybe this is the whole of the story. 
In Alexandria, I thought I knew what I was learning. Until I met John. When I met John, I thought I knew what I was learning. Until I met Jesus. And even when I had heard of Jesus, I found that he still led me to a better way. I wonder about you this morning. You are here in the name of Jesus. Are you open for him to still show you a better way? Isn't this part of what we are? Not just finished products, but learners, followers, or as we say, disciples, people who come again and again to learn the way of Jesus. My friends, be of open heart. The God that we serve is alive and well and at work in the Messiah, in his people, and through his Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Oh God, you have been at work from long ago. For your gospel that was at work from all the way back from creation, Father Abraham, through the stories of David and the prophets, through John, your servant, through Jesus, your servant, through your servants, Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila and Paul and Silas and Barnabas, who have been at work in your people here at Central. God, we are grateful for your work in the world through this gospel. And we pray that you would tune our hearts so that we become more and more open to what you're calling us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.